On the second um, day of Christmas, I am here to declare and to remind you that the wonder has come. Uh, today's passage of scripture takes us to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For see, I am, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So we have uh, three children, and each of our children have a very unique and different um, birth story, right? Um, Abigail, she came late. Uh, Esteban, he came early. Uh, Abel, he came right on time, right? Their birth stories are so very different, but they do share a common element and, and one that I would guess if you have children, it, it shares with you. Uh, when our children were born, we uh, shared the news of their arrival first with the people that are closest to us. First with the people that are uh, our immediate family. Before we, we posted it to the world, before we made it known to everybody, we, we shared that with those that we, that we love uh, the very most. Uh, as you can uh, imagine, God, as one might expect, went about it the total opposite way. He told those that were farthest from him first. He told shepherds in the field. He gave to them the most glorious news of all. The wonder has arrived. Christmas is one of just a handful of amazing uh, spiritual and historical events that, 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 that have happened in the world. When Jesus appears on the scene of earth, there was no, no precedence for that moment. This is a once-in-a-lifetime appearance that is going to happen in this magnitude. This is, yes, a miracle story, but it's not uh, in, in the same uh, way or in the same uh, type of miracle as would be the parting of the Red Sea or the turning of water into wine or, or of the feeding of the 5,000 or the walking on water or the healing of a blind man. No, this event... This would have eternal consequences and ramifications. Everything prior to this moment, to this event, would point to this moment. And everything that followed from this moment would point back 
to this moment. It's a, a magnificent moment as grandiose as the creation of the world. Job uh, chapter 38 verse 7 describes what was happening in heaven when the earth was formed. It, it says that all of the heavenly beings shouted for joy. And here, at the birth of Jesus, at the new creation, again the host of heavenly beings join together and shout for joy. In the creation story, uh, we see that, that God stooped down low. He created humanity uh, quite different or distinct from what, the way he created the rest of the world. With humanity, he got dust and dirt all over his knees and, and on his hands as he's forming humanity from the dust of the ground. He stoops low as he breathes into the nostrils of humanity and they become a living being. Here at Christmas, God is stooping low again. I love you, I want to be near you, is the same thing that he declares. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, caused this revelation of God in human flesh, this thing that we celebrate at Christmas. First Timothy chapter 3 calls it a true mystery, and it is. Can, can you imagine the excitement of heaven on the day that Jesus was born on earth? Can you imagine how amazed the angels must have been when they saw the creator now born as a human? As they witnessed the word coming to earth, but as a speechless baby? I can imagine the host of angels ready, ready to at the command of God appear to kings and queens, to princes, to politicians, to influential men. To declare the coming of the king. If not to the political influencers, then surely they would be sent to those closest to God. Right? To the religious, to the Levites, to the priests, to the faithful temple goers. But yet, the only appearance of hosts of angels that we find in the Christmas story is not to any of the strong and mighty not even to Joseph and Mary, but to shepherds who were tending their flocks in the fields at night. Well, to us, it's a pretty familiar story, right? God comes to those you least expect, who least deserve it. But to those who were experiencing it firsthand, to, to those who early on were reading the gospel of Luke, it was outlandish that the God of the universe would come to shepherds of all people. You see, shepherds, they were social and spiritual outcasts. Socially, you know, prostitutes, tax collectors, and shepherds were lumped together as the lowest rung of society. For they were usually liars and cheaters and thieves. Their testimony, it was not even admissible in court in those days. Religiously, of course, they were outcasts because they were unceremonially unclean. They slept among the sheep in the wild. They stepped daily on manure. They were constantly around dead animals. They looked and they smelled pretty rough. They, they just had no way that they could keep all of the cleanliness rituals out there with the sheep in the fields. 
in their work. It just simply kept them away for a long period of time, away from the temple, the only place that they, they could be declared clean. So they were excluded from temple worship and therefore cut off from the presence of God. And yet the angels show up to the shepherds to proclaim the greatest news that the world had ever heard. Again, proof that no one is too far gone. No one is too far away. There is absolutely no one that is beyond the realm of God's great love and goodness. But the message that they received is not just the king has come for you too. But this king brings with him gifts that are also for you. Listen to verse 10 again. I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. This king brings joy. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This king brings joy and peace and favor. Don't be fooled by baby Jesus in a manger. No, this is a king that has been born. This is a king who has a kingdom, who is ushering in a new domain, a powerful, mighty kingdom that is defined by the goodness of a king that brings with him three gifts. Favor, which we, we learned last week is this this grace that is given to us with God that allows us to be in right relationship and right standing with God. He brings favor, he brings goodness, and he brings joy. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 tell us, For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This king brings about not external things that just bring about temporary goodness, but internal gifts that bring about eternal goodness, this favor. This, this is good news for everyone that would receive it. For those that receive it, for those that receive him as their personal savior, for those that accept him as the Messiah, for those that believe the claims that, that he, Jesus, made about himself. There is favor, there is grace, there is right relationship, right standing with God. And if you are standing in right relationship with God, then you're also receiving this peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus came offering peace. But if you look into the historical context of the time of, of Jesus, many uh, would say, well, there was peace. Caesar Augustus, he was he was, uh, he was reigning and he brought with him the Pax Romana and there was good uh, economic uh, times and military stability and peace. And yet, one Stoic philosopher of the time wrote this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, from grief and envy. He cannot give peace of a heart for that which man truly yearns. The world, the world was crying out for a savior who could bring about shalom. Life was difficult in those days, even as it is today. Taxes were high. Unemployment was high. Morals were low. Rome was declaring that they were in control. They had everything in control, but yet people felt Everything was out of control. 
Roman law, Greek philosophy, and even the Jewish religion could not satisfy the deepest needs of the human heart. The world needed the Prince of Peace, the one who could bring shalom and wholeness. This gift of peace that Jesus brings is more than an emotion. What Jesus offers to us is the gift of himself. We In this kingdom of God, we get a person. We get the prince of peace who is more than an emotion, who is more than a state of mind. We get the one who stands at the door of our heart and mind and fights on our behalf. When we seek to find peace elsewhere, he's the one that reminds us that it is only through him that we can receive all that we need. This right standing with God, this peace, this peace that leads, it leads to a joy that is not circumstantial. The joy that Jesus brings transcends our current bank account. It it transcends our relational status, our our pain, our, our diagnosis, our loss, our sickness. We don't have to be joyful because of a circumstance. But we can be joyful because of a person, because of Jesus Christ, who in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, we can strangely declare, the Lord is my shepherd. You restore my soul. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What good news. The angels offered these hopeless, lowly shepherds on Christmas night. The kingdom of God, they were saying, is not about these external things. It's not about eating or drinking. It's not about the things you can do or don't do. It's not about what you produce in your own strength. They were essentially saying, your internal problem cannot be saved or changed or solved by external means. What you need is a king, is a king who reign, whose reign brings heavenly gifts, who, whose reign brings you to these places uh, of, of right relationship with God, of peace and of joy. He places these gifts, these gifts in the deepest center of your being, of your soul, this king. He makes you right with God. He gives you peace beyond understanding an unspeakable joy. It's no wonder they ran towards Bethlehem in search of this king and of this kingdom. You know, it really shouldn't surprise us that God chooses shepherds to be the first eyewitnesses of the kingdom of God in the world. You see, throughout the biblical narrative, we find that God favors shepherds. Abel was a shepherd, Abraham was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. The Israelites were by and large shepherds. We also find in the prophetic writings of the Old Testament this common motif of a future coming king who would be a shepherd to his people. It's actually fitting that God came to shepherds first. When we understand that Jesus is the king that the prophets of old spoke about, who would reign as shepherd over the people, who better than shepherds to fully understand and represent 
the great ministry that Christ was coming to fulfill. Shepherds, you see, they spent enough time with their sheep, helping them with their sheep circumstances in their sheep environment. They ended up smelling like sheep themselves. Shepherds, they they lay aside their rights and their dignity, the ones that would go along with their human identity to live among, uh, among the sheep. They laid aside their rights as human beings in right standing with the world. Jesus did the same. He, he laid aside the, the benefits and the merits of, of being proclaimed and worshipped around the throne of God day and night. He laid aside the rights in order to come and to live among us. Shepherds, you see, they spend enough time among the sheep to become familiar and trusted by the sheep. Other humans, they're actually innately untrustworthy to a sheep. But a shepherd is a human who, who becomes trusted by the sheep due to the time that they spend together. The sheep's experience of the shepherd's gentleness, of his kindness, of, of his faithful provision makes a shepherd a person that a sheep can relate to. And it, it comes to the point that, that the sheep forgets that they're even a shepherd and they accept the shepherd as part of the flock. Can you imagine Jesus in human form becomes like one of the flock? He becomes familiar to us because he's in physical form. God in heaven was too distant, too, too different, too great, too powerful, too unapproachable. He became knowable to us because of his sharing of our experience. He knows what it is to live a human life. Shepherds, they, they eat even while their sheep are grazing nearby. They draw water to drink for themselves from the same source of water that they give to their sheep. They, they sleep on the same ground that their sheep sleep on. When, when it is hot, For the sheep, the shepherd feels hot too. When it is cold for the sheep, the shepherd feels cold as well. When it rains where the sheep are, the shepherd gets wet. The needs and priorities of the sheep are shared by the shepherd. Since he lives among them, what affects the sheep, be it weather or hunger or thirst or injury or illness or danger, it also affects the shepherd. It affects what he experiences physically and emotionally. Jesus, the good shepherd, he experienced all of the circumstances that we also go through on our life here on earth. He knows our pain. He knows our struggle. He knows our worry. He knows our fear because he has felt them with us. Knowing these things, brothers and sisters, it should help us to trust in our good shepherd who loves us, who is willing to walk beside us in every and any situation. We never suffer alone. We don't suffer without the compassion and attention of Almighty God. We do not grieve alone or or as those who have no hope. 
No matter what happens, we are not left in our need. We are not left without provision. We are not left without comfort or attention. The sheep that the shepherds in Luke 2 were tending to were considered to be the ones that were going to be used for temple sacrifice. These shepherds, they, they received this wonderful revelation from God Not only because they understood exactly the role of a shepherd that this king would be, but because God was saying to them, your sheep, they are just but a shadow. They they are just a representation of what Jesus will be. Go, go and behold the Lamb of God. You are watching the wrong sheep. Their blood, it will not resolve the sin problem. But there is a lamb whose blood will redeem the world. There is a lamb on whom you ought to fix your eyes upon. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Not only did our good shepherd lay down his life for his sheep, but he actually became one himself. What a mystery that the shepherd became a lamb in order to save his flock. Interestingly, this is the title that is most often applied to Jesus in the book of Revelation. And the title that Jesus carries into eternity, the Lamb of God. Revelation 7, 17 says, for the lamb is at the center of the throne. He will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of water of life. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So I ask us, Trinity Church of the Nazarene today, what do you need to say to to the Lord, to Jesus in this Christmas season? On this last Sunday of the year 2020, what is it that you want to say to to your God who is also your shepherd? To your God who is also a lamb. Many, Many of us have never been more ready to say goodbye to a year like we are to say goodbye to 2020. I think many of you would agree. But if 2020 has revealed anything, it is that something is deeply wrong. That something is deeply broken in the world. There is disease and death and pain and injustice and sin and division and tragedy. And yet we know that those are not just external problems but that there is something deeply wrong on the inside of humanity, something that is not right. What we have on our hands individually and corporately is a spiritual problem. And yet the good news of the gospel is for us today. We can say glory to God because we know one who is the lamb whose blood is sufficient to cover and cleanse all sin and unrighteousness. We know one who is a king, who is also our shepherd, who will walk with us in the pain, in the tragedy, in the grief. We know one who brings about eternal gifts for all of God's people today. 
May we too, like the shepherds, be so transformed as we gaze into the face of the Lamb of God today. May we be so transformed that we too run around declaring the goodness that we have found in the King of Kings. Let us pray. Almighty God, we are so grateful today that the wonder has come. We're grateful, God, that the waiting is over, that, that the Messiah has come, that, that Jesus has come and has faithfully fulfilled what, what you had intended, Lord, to, to, to fulfill as part of your plan of redemption for humanity. We're so grateful, Lord, that you are the King of kings and that today you sit on your throne. We are so grateful for the hope of heaven. We are so grateful, Lord, that we are, we are faithfully expecting your second coming, oh God. We're so grateful that here in the waiting, as we continue to wait for you to come again a second time, Lord, that you have given us everything that we need to act in love and in good works. God, that you are our shepherd here today. That you promise, Lord, that no matter what 2021 may bring, oh God, that you will be the shepherd that will walk with us faithfully. That you are the one, oh God, that wipes away every tear. That you are the one, Lord, that we can depend on. You came so near that we could relate to you. That we could depend on you. God, we, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. God, we, we are so grateful that you are our shepherd. We thank you, Lord, today as well that you are the lamb, that you are the lamb that corrects the sin problem, that you are the lamb, oh God, that gives us the hope, Lord, that, that the way that things are today are not the way that things will always be. God, would you make us heralds of your word, of your goodness, of your salvation, that we may faithfully declare to a world that needs you, Lord, that you are indeed the solution. Behold, the Lamb of God that wipes away the sin of the world. May our lives declare that in everything that we do, in everything that we say. God, we love you today and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.